Don't let your kids near your computer. Yeah, don't let your kids near your computer is basically the moral of the story. Or don't use Bluetooth headphones. Or that too. Bluetooth headphones might be another life lesson. But I like I like to be able to walk around because I'm always just sitting in this chair. Anyways, all right, um, all right Ryan. So what's been going on, man? It's been uh, it's been a while since we've talked. Um, I thought you know we I can't remember if we actually teased this in the last time we had talked. Um, for all of those in you know the that, that follow Agency Nation, you are probably one of the most responded to podcasts that we maybe have ever done uh, let's make insurance simple part one and part two so if you haven't heard that go check that out brian man, what's been going on since we last talked well one thank you for that i'm i'm flattered to be one of the more listened to podcasts so that's awesome what's been happening since we chatted last a lot we're still working to try to change the industry one policy at a time we're still trying to help make things more simple we're trying to focus on helping our retail partners be you know responsible to their clients helping them be you know, good advocates, but also trying to help them become even better at their jobs so they can do more, grow more, be more to their, to their clients. And it's a, it's a full-time job doing that, but I'm, I'm proud to say over the last few months since we've chatted last, we're doing better jobs at helping our retail, jo- retail partners do better jobs. Yeah, and that's you know that's one of the things that kind of got me excited. We were kind of going back and forth on, on just this idea of, of, of kind of going after – you know, bigger, better business and, and whatever that means to you, right? Every agent that looks a little different in their agency, but um, having at least the confidence to take a shot at it. And, and you, know, you guys certainly encourage that. And that's something that is very fascinating. And I'm, I'm always, always kind of, kind of stunned at the reluctance some agents have. Uh, and just kind of hearing you talk about it gets me excited about, you know, how that can empower other agents to kind of try and try and do that. Well, I believe it's a mindset. And I, I think being outnumbered or being smaller than the competition or being an underdog or trying to come from behind or being low on funds, those aren't disadvantages. I think traditionally we look at those items as being disadvantages. Those are gifts. Those are going to force us as creative minds, as insurance solutionists, experts, they're going to force us to become more creative. They're going to force us to find workarounds and solutions to help our customers. And as we go upstream into bigger accounts, we are going to force ourselves to get into more uncomfortable territory. That's just how it is. In order for us to grow, we have to stretch that muscle. And if we do that, we can help serve our clients. There's nothing wrong with failure. There's nothing wrong with trying. There's nothing wrong with trying to go upstream. And that's where I'm really excited where RPS sits as a wholesale broker we've got the expertise to help our retail partners grow and to stretch those muscles. They can feel confident and comfortable going into their client saying, hey, client or prospect, we would like to talk to you about this coverage or that coverage, or you're a bigger customer than we typically work with, but here's how we're going to be able to solve your problems. Here's how we're going to use our disadvantages, air quotes, as our advantages to be a lot more creative to find your solution. So I I think a lot of it's just changing the mindset. There's nothing wrong with going upstream to bigger accounts to go to more complex products. It's just a matter of using those obstacles that we put in our own heads and use those against themselves. Those obstacles aren't obstacles. Those are gifts. You know, that's, I mean, that's an interesting you know, kind of way to look at it. What, and I think what really sparked me to want to have this conversation with you was I remember hearing uh, you just kind of tell kind of stories about some of the the times that you kind of punched above your weight class 
Um, I'd be curious to know, like, what was, do you remember like one of the first times that you were able to do that and, and, and what that looked like, or, or what was that, that experience kind of trying to, to take that on? Absolutely. Well, I like to relate stories to situations to help people relate. And, and I got some great stories. One of them that's very memorable to me is, is the back in the early 2000s when I first had become a, a wholesale insurance broker here. I was always trying to find solutions for my retail partners. And those retail partners might be small and they might be trying to fight above their weight. And, but so was I. I was trying to figure out what to do to how to bring value, that value proposition that had eluded so many people in, 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 in advance of me being here. I got an example that was awesome. We did a small nonprofit account and we, we really busted our chops on it. We really worked hard. It was $800 in premium. But the client had a very tight deadline. We met the tight deadline. The client had some service requests and some coverage items that they wanted to review. We did those happily. A lot of people don't like $800 policies from the insurance business because they're not very profitable. But we looked at that as an opportunity. The neat part of that opportunity, we went in with the right mindset. One of the board members happened to be a risk manager for a large financial services company. Because of how we did on that $800 barometer, we tested pretty well to him. He invited us to an RFP, Request for Proposal. We went against the top four insurance brokers in the United States. So as the top four insurance brokers in the United States and us, not the top four. Because we had a lot of disadvantages, it allowed us to go after that customer with two ears and one mouth. We listened to what they needed. We asked them questions of what they wanted to solve. We asked them questions on, what coverage items did they have concerns about? We asked them about what kept them up at night. We weren't the big broker telling them, based on our experiences, here's what you'd have to do. We were there trying to see what did they want. That allowed us to have a whole different perspective. That allowed us to win the account. When it was all said and done, that account was $5.6 million in premium. And the client let us know we won that because we were completely different from all of our competition because we put them first, not our own agendas. And that was a great lesson. I mean, that was a real lesson to help propel me into this business, to help propel my career, to let me know that the customer comes first and if you can solve their problems, you can work with any sized customer you want. Well, I think that's interesting because what we might perceive as a disadvantage was actually an advantage in this scenario where you're able to come at it from a completely different angle and it's a very natural approach because you're just simply asking questions, trying to provide the best results where because they've those other big guys have had so much experience that kind of got in their way. Um, yep. And, 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 it did. and uh, that's that's crazy that that is actually what would enable that to happen. Yeah, I, I got lucky. I didn't have any knowledge to tell them what they should be doing because <laughs> I had never done it before. Yeah. <laughs> so what was my Achilles heel was actually our, our blessing. And that was a client of ours all the way until they got purchased four years later. So we ended up having a $5.6 million relationship the first year because the story was good. And it was a scary story. They had lost their entire uh, tower of insurance due to losses. We had to rebuild that entire tower. The next year, because the story was so good, we got that $5.6 million in premium down to 3.5. And we took the premium down over the course of four years. Of course, then they get bought and we lost that client. But that client, the, the buyer, remained our buyer all the way until he retired after he left that company, he went to other companies and engaged our services for insurance brokerage, which is kind of a neat, uh, a neat way to build customers. Now, so this is, I mean, this is a bit of a fairy tale story and you know, somebody's saying, well, great, I've got, I've got Ryan, I've got 
I've got $5,800 policies and that's never happened to me. Uh, what do you think it was that, that prepared you to kind of be in that position? Is, is there something to look for? What did that do to kind of open your eyes to maybe the next large account? How did you leverage that situation into you know, the next opportunity? Well, I think there's a couple of things that allowed us to, to do that. One, I think failure is an asset. You can't be scared to try. If you're trying and if you fail, that's an asset, especially if what you're trying to do is improve and to learn and to do something new. So don't be scared. If we would have said, oh, sorry, we can't, we can't approach uh, this RFP and attend because that's not our sweet spot or we've never worked on accounts that large, well, we've already lost the battle. Worst case scenario, go on there and lose, but gain knowledge. Thankfully, we won as well. What we need to look at, and I think we do all too infrequently in our industry, is a client has problems that need to be solved by us. They come to us because we're their trusted insurance advisor. Let's look at the altruistic approach of what that client needs, but also your client isn't a single contact. Your client is actually multiple contacts. It could be the CFO, the risk manager, the general counsel. Have two or three different contacts inside of that customer. When they leave to go to a new customer or a new, a new business, that's a brand new opportunity for you to re-engage with that person that you've already made a relationship with, and they might go upstream to a bigger account. They might be the risk manager of a, of a small $25 million manufacturer, but they might leave and become the risk manager of a $500 million manufacturer. You've already got that relationship built. So I think just mindset. Don't have a, a fear of failure. Of course, nobody wants to, so don't yeah. try to but also build multiple constituencies inside of those customers because those customers can turn into a great source of opportunity for us to win bigger and better customers down the road. Yeah, and that's, I think we have such a short-term view to the whole thing of, you know, well, we just look to, you know, what's right in front of us and, and the fact that, hey, listen, this isn't just a today, this isn't tomorrow, this isn't next year, this is five years, 10 years down the road as these, you know, people elevate themselves in their, their career as well, what that means for your career also, um, we just Absolutely. don't, we don't take, take the time to realize that. And, you know, one of the things that I, I'm fascinated with is the idea that, like you said, like having confidence in that, but it's so hard to say, well, I, I even belong in this room or, or how do I even have these conversations intelligently? Um, you know, once you got in that, like, did that give you the confidence to kind of keep swinging? And, and what, what, what was the trajectory, I guess, from that, that 5.6 million policy? Like, what did yep. it look like? The next year after that, like what 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 were your angles into the next big account, or how did you how did you kind of take it from that part? Well, I, I'm not a physicist, but I like to refer to it as string theory. We like found it. five or six constituents inside of that client, and there's a lot of turnover in in business in general. And one of those people left that company and went to a different company. We happened to win that deal. Mm. Uh, we got into that new company. It happened to be a telecommunications company. We had six or seven different contacts there. Two of those people left. So we ended up parlaying that one account, as I'll kind of call it the, 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 the core yeah. of our, our business because it kept spinning off people. Ultimately, by the time I was finishing up my career as a producer, I didn't touch accounts that were less than a million dollars in premium. <laughs> I didn't have enough time. Yeah. So you can you can turn that one small eight hundred dollar account into a capstone five point six million, but turn that into knowledge, relationships, and and honestly, if you can work with hard work, honesty, and and trying to help others, you can parlay that and grow upstream to bigger accounts because ultimately we run out of time. There's only so much time of the day, and if you want to serve customers, 
you can only work on so many of them. So I went upstream and I was working on million dollar premiums as the norm, not as the exception. But that's because I ran out of time. What does that look like? What did what did your day look like in that environment? What were the the things that you had to do operating at that level versus some of the things that agents think they have to do, you know, operating at the eight hundred? Is it different? Is it the same? What does that look like? I think there's a little bit of difference, but there's a lot of similarities. The benefit that a retail broker has is they really need to find a great wholesale partner to help them fight above their weight. An expert in a space, and, it, and pick any wholesale broker, but make sure you pick one that's an expert. They will give you that bench strength to go out there and fight against any of the competition. And that's, that's very beneficial. You might only have five or 10 people in your agency and maybe only a couple of hundred accounts, but you might be able to tap into a relationship that can give you thousands of accounts of experience and hundreds of millions of dollars of premium to really help give you more leverage. So for me, I was the person on the other side of that. I was the one coming in to help the retail broker have that bench strength. It was kind of scary when I didn't have the bench strength myself, but once we built it, then we could go to our retail partners and let them know that by utilizing our services or our competition services, they could actually be much stronger. It's not a it's, it's not a flaw to bring in more people. And as I got bigger, where we got to be much stronger was I built an incredible team. I was very fortunate to be surrounded by awesome people that even if I started to feel a little doubt, started to get a little tired, my team would pick me up. And my team helped propel us to the next level to the point where this team that uh, was built back in 1999 is going to place over $400 million of premium just in a certain space of executive and professional liability. That's pretty cool. It came from doing $800 accounts originally, but for the retail broker, they need to have confidence. They need to have no fear that bringing in another party is going to hurt them. It's going to actually help them. And that's right. I've seen a lot of retail partners of ours that are very leery because they've had bad experiences in the past or they haven't had yeah. the right relationship. Don't find the right one. Go ahead and fire somebody and move on up to a, to a better person. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, so what, a couple questions from that, you know, one, did you have, who was your, you know, kind of partner at that stage in your career? And two, like when you built your own team out, um, you know, the people that built you up, how, how fast would you be to like identify like, well, this person isn't, isn't there for that, that inspiration when I need it the most, like how quick do you move saying, listen, they, they just got to move on. They got to go somewhere else. What, what does that environment look like of picking those people and, and who those partners are? The good thing is I haven't had to do that too often over the last 20 years. I only had to move out a few people that couldn't catch up. Wow. If you're a good mentor to them, they're going to keep up with you. But you hire people for the right skill sets. Yeah. You don't hire them for their experience. You don't hire them for their past. You hire them for their future. So you find people that are quick thinkers, that can solve problems, that have empathy. If something's going on, they can actually feel the pain of that customer and, and find solutions for it. So you, you hire for the future, not based on their past. Where the mentors come in is, is invaluable. I wasn't fortunate enough to really have a mentor growing up into this industry, but I had a lot of people outside of this industry that I could, I could turn to, such as my basketball coach from college. No one could kick me in the butt better than him to get me out of a funk. So I had mentors outside the business that would help propel me to tell me I could not stop, I could not give up, I could not allow failure to enter into my psyche. Do you think not having a mentor somehow kind of had like a reverse positive effect on you? Did that give you like a chip on your shoulder? Did it just let, make you experiment in ways that you maybe wouldn't have otherwise tried? 
I don't, I don't think it hurt me too much. But then again, I, since I didn't have one, I got to look at that from the positive mindset. Yeah. I think it allowed me to have a clean sheet of paper to fill multiple people in as mentors for little teeny tiny points and allow them to come in and, and help me for this particular aspect or that particular aspect. I didn't have that go-to source. But that's okay. But, I like being there for my 80 people on the team. They've got me for a go-to source. We've got other leadership in here for go-to source. I'd rather try to build for the future. And and I think that's where, as an industry, we need a lot of help because we're graying out in general. We're yeah. losing a lot more people to retirement than we are by bringing in talented young people. And those talented young people, by the way, they will come in with the right mindset if we train them to, and they will help us grow our franchises because they'll go after the tougher accounts, the bigger accounts. They'll help us be better. So, I mean, that's, I mean, mentorship was certainly a hot topic, I would say. I haven't heard tons of people talking about it, but it, it was a really big thing, you know, last year or so. It's kind of tapered off a little bit from just the conversations I've been having. Um, but do you think it's because uh, we've, we've kind of had like a mentorship kind of gap to where maybe that's uh, in, in, in a lot of, you know, Main Street America agencies, uh, it's just, hey, here's sink or swim sort of thing. And there's this kind of maybe a little more ruthless than necessary mentality to, to the way that some agencies approach the business. Is that something that needs corrected or what, what do you see a, a gap in mentorship in the independent Absolutely. agent model? And what do you think is maybe missing from kind of fostering that to, to a place that it needs to be? I think there is a gap in mentorship. One, I think everybody's busy. We're all very busy and it's hard to step back for 10 minutes or 20 minutes or take somebody out to lunch and, and give them that pat on the back to let them know that what they're doing is, is good work. So I think there is a gap in, in mentorship. I think it's also part and parcel to our society. We are a society that looks down at our phones and sends texts. We're not a society that picks up the phone and calls anybody anymore. We're not a society that writes that handwritten letter. We're a society that will snap off a text or send a quick email. So I think just in general, we have become a less personable society. And that I think has hurt the mentorship aspect as well. I don't think mentoring is saying, hey, nice job a text at 10 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. I think mentorship is sitting across the table from somebody, looking at them, reading their, their facial expressions, understanding where they're sitting by their posture, by their tone, by their attitudes. You can't do that with a unilateral text. Yeah, I'm with you on the, the phone call. I actually prefer to just pick up the phone and hammer it out versus the I, – actually, I, I find texting to be very – like I'm, I'm very selective with the people that I text. Like if you were to text me, right? I'd be like, dude, I don't know if we have this kind of relationship. It's weird. Like I don't know that I, I want to communicate. Well, that hurts. Well, that I mean, hurts. I, no, it's, it's – that hurts. I don't even I'm, like I'm going to cry for a minute here. Well, I mean, I'll I'll give you a moment. Um, meaning meaning I, I, texting is weird. Like I don't I, – I would much rather talk to somebody – than text, to, to be honest. Um, but the handwritten note, I can't. I write like a third grader, probably not even like kindergartner. So that's just not good for anybody. Um, but um, you know, one of the things too that you know was fascinating to me outside of the whole, I, um, you know, how do how do you go after bigger business? This whole mentality of like just like go get it done, don't take no for an answer, you know, lift all your people up, sort of thing was the approach that you had to insurance and that just the mindset of making it simpler, really pushing the envelope. And I'm kind of curious what what you guys have been cooking up since we last talked. I mean, we're, we're we're I know we were having a conversation around making cyber and DNO really simple, really easy uh, to kind of access and, and get that empower agents to do better with that. What's 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 been cooking up since we last talked? Absolutely. Well, we're up to uh, 15 products now, which is great. And 
where that's great, especially for our retail partners, we've also got, we got 14,000 agencies that are signed up to use the platform to help their customers be much more efficient in their acquisition of insurance. Here's where it's neat. Every client should be buying X number of policies, and that's based on their niche. If it's a construction company, maybe they should be buying 15 policies. If they're a nonprofit healthcare company, maybe they should be buying 14 policies. If they're a, a small retail store, maybe they should be buying eight policies. Every customer needs to be buying a certain amount of policies. And as an industry, we have done a poor job of making sure that that customer's needs are met. One, we might be selling them a product that they don't need. Two, we might not be selling them products that they should be buying. Three, we might be sharing that relationship with another broker because we never asked for the business. I would recommend every retail broker take a look at every one of their customers and build a white space to cross solve. If you're a construction company, figure out the 15 products that construction company should sell and offer those. Go out to your customer and say, you need to be buying this product. You need contractors pollution liability, which by the way, on our platform takes about two minutes. You need to be buying terrorism, which also takes two minutes on the platform. You should be buying DNO, EPL, and drive the process to help the customer because the customer is never going to buy a product that they've never heard of before. They might not realize they have that exposure. So I think every one of our agencies in America could grow two, three, fourfold just by serving their customers properly, by doing the needs assessment and selling them the products that they should be buying. If we do that right, a lot of other things fall into place just fine. Do you, do you think what's preventing that from happening now is just the, the, the accessibility of it, the, the amount of friction that comes into uh, having to make that happen and then the the you know, the lack of benefit on the, on the other side to, to see it through? Yeah, I, I, th I think that's twofold. One, if there's friction, if I tried to give a customer a seven-page, 91-question application, say, go ahead and complete this application, and once you complete it, then I'll go ahead and get to work and find you some coverage. That stops the process because the customer doesn't have time to do that. We're the only industry that makes our customers go through such a rigorous process in order for us to take their money. <laughs> That's not very nice. Give that customer a bindable quote by spending one minute of your own time answering four or five very simple questions. And then now you're going to a customer saying, instead of completing the seven page 91 question application that you can't understand, we understand that you have a need for cyber insurance. We've taken care of all of the work for you. Here is your opportunity to buy this coverage for $2,353. If you'd like to buy this coverage, I need you to spend one minute to review the coverage questions. If they're accurate, sign it, date it, I'll issue you a policy immediately. The second aspect, besides friction, that we struggle with as an industry is education. People don't sell what they don't understand. We've done a very poor job of going outside of the traditional property and casualty products to understand what those forms are, how they respond, and how they can protect our customers. So I think removing the friction and increasing the education, we do that. We're cooking with gas, as my grandma used to say. Well, I mean, you've basically spent the last you know twenty some minutes describing a, a insurance world that most might think you're crazy that doesn't exist. Like Ryan, this this isn't there's no such place. You know, how do you how do you how do you make this happen? And I'm curious of all the things that you have you know kind of just refused to accept and change. Where what's what's on the horizon for you? What what do you what do you have your eyes on? That's the next kind of mission to accomplish as far as you know making that impossible possible. Well, 
That, that's a great question. Boy, I, I wish I had the answer, but I can tell you one of the things that we're going to work on. I want to have a utopian philosophy where my retail partner can come to work every day and they can take care of their customers' needs in a very efficient way. I want them to sit down on their chair, log into their email system, log into their agency management system, log into our platform. When their customer calls them and says, hey, I need some coverage for this, they log into our system. They can generate the one, two, or three quotes. They can give that customer the instant gratification they've become accustomed to in all of the other industries like banking and retail and all these other industries that are much further ahead than insurance is. They can give that customer the instant gratification with the two or three quotes. They pick up the phone and say, hey, have you had a chance to digest those? Let me walk you through the coverages, read these FAQs. You need to buy that insurance that you called me for. I can go ahead and put that in place and get you a policy today. Think about a, a home inspector. They call their retail insurance broker. Hi, I'm a home inspector. I've got an appointment tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock in the morning. Today, we say, here's an application. Get that back to me. I'll try to pull out a couple of favors and get you something back, you know, maybe, maybe tomorrow, maybe the day after. That doesn't work today. Just imagine that home inspector calls and said, let me ask you a few questions. All right, what's your email address? I'm sending you your quote. If you like the quote, go ahead and send me an email back to bind coverage and you'll have a policy within a few seconds. Now that home inspector can start their work tomorrow at eight o'clock, go to do their work and have their coverage in hand. That's where we want to get to. I want to get to where they log into their email, agency management system, our platform. And by doing that, they take care of their customers' needs in a matter of minutes rather than days or weeks.